I'd like you to take your Bible, please, and open the book of Lamentations. And uh, we're going to look at a familiar portion of Scripture here, the book of Lamentations. In a moment, I'll read from chapter 3. And, of course, you are familiar with this book, I'm sure. It is the, uh, it is the heart of Jeremiah, the prophet, who uh, penned the words of the book that is, bears his name. Prophet Jeremiah was used of the Lord to uh, bring a message to Judah that was certainly living their lives in, in disobedience and were living their lives in a way that was not pleasing to the Lord and living in idolatry and certainly revealed their rebellion against the Lord. And uh, Jeremiah preached for many years, as we'll say more about that in a few moments, but in, in Lamentations in chapter 3, I'll draw your attention please to verse 21, and I'm going to read down through verse 26. It says, This I recall to my mind, Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Uh, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, and to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait the salvation of the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God tonight and for this wonderful privilege to stand behind this sacred desk that has been used to proclamate and to give out the word of God consistently for many years. And so tonight, Lord, as we again open the book, I pray that you'd help us, help me as I, being the conduit in which we trust, and I pray that you'd speak through and uh, may the message of this hour be uh, challenging, may it be encouraging, and I pray that it would bring to light something that would help us in our walk with the Lord. We'll be careful to thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. We take our text from the book in the Bible that records the laments of the prophet Jeremiah for Judah's uh, devastation. Judah has faced the judgment of God for the refusal of, uh, to heed the warnings of God through the prophet for their gross idolatry and glaring disobedience. The destruction of the city of Jerusalem included the walls, the towers, the homes, and the temple as the people were carried away into captivity by the Chaldeans. These were the saddest days in the history of of Israel, especially here now talking about Judah, the southern tribe. It was, the very, it was a very hopeless time in all appearances and a lamentable time for sure. Jeremiah was the prophet of Judah's midnight hour as it has been described by some. Jeremiah was brought low and humbled in, in Lamentations chapter 3 in verse 18. He says these words. He said in, and he said uh, my strength and hope is perished from the Lord. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. In spite of how dark things were, Jeremiah had hope. I would like to draw your attention to his words in verse 21. And it, he said that, and, and by the way, we uh, cannot confirm that Jeremiah was the one, we know that he was the one that wrote these words, but we don't know the one that he was the one that was feeling these words. It could have been that the Lord was using a personal application to what the nation or the uh, children of Judah were experiencing. Nonetheless, I believe that we can say tonight that Jeremiah was feeling these things, and I think that Jeremiah could say these words, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. I would like to. Uh, just put your attention or bring your, draw your attention to these words. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Uh, it, is a, uh, it is a message that I believe God was going to use to give to the people that already had been led away in exile and been uh, looking at the, the ramification of the judgment of the Lord. 
And yet the Lord is going to reveal something here, even in this message and text, that could give hope to them for the future. I don't know of a book in the Bible that could be more relevant today than the book of Jeremiah as it reflects upon the condition of Judah and the condition of God's people and how abrasive they were, how determined they were to refuse to listen to Jeremiah and listen to his preaching. Nonetheless, they were not interested in having any change or change of direction. The amazing thing about Jeremiah is he preached for 40 years, preached a number of messages, never had one response, positive response, never had one positive comment, never had, never had a person give him a word of encouragement. It was Jeremiah that the Lord told he was not to marry. He never knew what it was to have the experiences as uh, many of us have had the experience of having a wife that serves with, uh, serves with us in ministry. Jeremiah had so many things that would be a disadvantage for us that would, today in the ministry that would be called pastors of local New Testament churches. He had a number of things that were certainly were a negative against what he could do or what he would become for the Lord. And yet, in all of that, he has these words. He says it is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. This message of faithfulness is one in which has become the, should have been, and I think is one of the greatest encouragements that we can have in our Christian life, knowing the Lord, knowing that the Lord is faithful. I would like us tonight to think about this as we think about these words of Jeremiah. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. This I recall to my mind. Jeremiah here mentions the, he mentions the mercies of God, the compassion of God, the goodness of God. But it all revolves around this wonderful truth of the faithfulness of God. And uh, may tonight be another time in which the Lord will recall to your mind and to my mind about this wonderful truth about the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God is first declared in the scriptures. The affirmation of the faith of God, or the faithfulness of God, is found in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. If you'll turn over to the book of Deuteronomy, please, the book of Deuteronomy chapter uh, 7, and uh, let me share with you these words and then draw to your attention as to what Moses was doing here to uh, encourage God's people. As you know, Moses was. Uh, preparing God's people for what he would not experience. Moses was the man that led, as you know, led the children of Israel uh, away from Egypt, led them into the wilderness, led them across the wilderness. And if there was a man in the Bible, among others, that knew what it was to give testimony to the faithfulness of God, it would be the man called Moses. Moses wanted to instill in the hearts of these people they would now face some overcoming, or excuse me, overwhelming challenges as they would then be led by Joshua to go into the promised land. He wanted to prepare them for what they were facing in the future. And I believe that he used some words here that was in addition to other things he said to them. He was revealing to them the importance of them to understand the God in whom they were following and the God in whom they would serve. And in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, it says, Now therefore, that the Lord, excuse me, now therefore, know therefore that the Lord thy God, it is, uh, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. This is the first time in the scriptures that we find this, this word attached to, other than, uh, the the word faithfulness, even though it was uh, described and, and declared in other ways, this is the first time that this word is associated with the God of heaven. And Moses here reveals to them the importance that they understand not only who their God was, but this characteristic about him that he was not only their God, he is God and would be their God, he is the faithful God. How important that would be for them when they were facing the 
challenges and the battles and the struggles that they would have overcoming those individuals to partake of and to, uh, to secure the land in which would become the place in which they live. I think, first of all, in this matter of God's faithfulness, there must be an affirmation, a declaration of his faithfulness. And I'd remind you tonight that the declaration of his faithfulness is not necessarily what would help us to realize and to be comforted in the realization that God is faithful. It's one thing for us to say or to make the statement that God is faithful. It's another thing for us to know that God is faithful. I hope tonight that you not only can make the statement, God is faithful, but I hope that you know that God is faithful. And Moses here reveals to them the importance of uh, what we have um, come to think about tonight when Jeremiah said, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Moses was going to recall to their mind some things about those uh, blessings that they had experienced in the faithfulness of God. Notice in verse 18 where he says, Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but thou shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. The great temptations and the eyes, uh, the, the great temptations which thine eyes saw, and the signs and the wonders and the mighty hand and the stretched out arm whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out, so shall the Lord thy God do unto all the people whom thou art afraid. The, the challenge here by Moses was, well, remember what the Lord thy God uh, did unto Pharaoh uh, and, un, and to all Egypt in the great temptations, which thine eyes saw. Uh, here's some people that, saw the faithfulness of God actively engaged in the preservation of their lives. And then uh, Moses again in chapter 8 reminds them of the provisions of God and his faithfulness. He says in verse uh, 2, it says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know that was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and he suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna with uh, which thou knowest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he, uh, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment wax not old, Upon thee neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider thine heart, that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord chasteneth, uh, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep his commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Moses was bringing to the attention of these people, just as Jeremiah could say this, I recalled, to my mind, therefore I have hope, and brought to mind the goodness of the Lord and the faithfulness of the Lord. There must be a declaration, an affirmation of the faithfulness of the Lord for us ever to begin to be able to state or believe that he is a faithful God. Not only that, uh, Moses was revealing to them, to recalling to their minds God's faithfulness the Bible reveals to us that God's faithfulness is great because it spans thousands of years of his ongoing acts of mercy and goodness in the lives of mankind. God's faithfulness is proclaimed in the scriptures. God's faithfulness is promised. God's faithfulness is before us tonight in the scriptures that we've read. God is our faithful God, and we see that even in his eternal attributes, his omnipresence and his omnipotence and his omniscience and his truthfulness and his immutability. Uh, Psalm 139 is that chapter that reflects upon God's wonderful, God's wonderful faithfulness in our lives. He knows all about us. And uh, so 
tonight as we think about this subject of the faithfulness of the Lord, we think first about the necessity of the affirmation of his faithfulness, and we have that through the word of God. But not only does the Bible give the affirmation of God's faithfulness, it gives the description and the portrait of God's faithfulness. The Bible is replete with, with uh, statements of God's faithfulness that bring to mind the description and the dimensions and the depth of his faithfulness. I wonder how many times we skipped over these verses of Scripture that I'll share with you that reveal the, the dimensions of God's faithfulness in the lives of his people in the lives of us here tonight that know him as our personal Savior. Lamentations reveals by Jeremiah's message that great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I have hope in him. The description of his faithfulness is that it is in, it is immeasurable. Great is thy faithfulness to a thousand generations. His faithfulness goes beyond all human expectation and loyalty and dependability. It goes far beyond human comprehension. The Apostle Paul had many faithful men work with him, but there were times when human de uh, dependability failed him. He said on one occasion that all men forsook me, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. The Apostle Paul could give testimony of the faithfulness of man, but, but so much more, the faithfulness of God in his life and ministry. What about the words of Joshua that we've heard so many times in Joshua's last counsel to the people of God preceding, them, preceding him passing off the scene and passing on the information to challenge the next generation to come? Joshua chapter 23, verse 14, it says, Behold this day, I am going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts, in all your souls, that not one thing hath failed of the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass, and not one thing hath failed thereof. God's faithfulness is immeasurable. God's faithfulness according to the scriptures is incomparable. Psalm 89, verse 8 says, O Lord of hosts, who is strong, who is strong, Lord, like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee. God's faithfulness is revealed as being incomparable. Thank the Lord for the faithfulness of God's people. David had the faithful friend called Jonathan, as we know. Jonathan was the individual in whom had, had uh, been such a loyal and dependable and, and kind friend to David. And even David uh, expressed how much he appreciated, uh, how much he appreciated Jonathan for his friendship. We compare the faithfulness of the Lord with people. Thank the Lord that God has given us people in our lives that are faithful. I am grateful for a faithful wife um, that has uh, been faithful to me physically and, and emotionally and spiritually. Uh, it's wonderful to have this, this uh, great privilege to have someone that's by your side, especially in the ministry, especially serving the Lord. So I'm thankful tonight for a faithful wife. I'm thankful for faithful friends that I've known through the years, friends in the pastorate and friends that I've known uh, back all the way back to, to uh, college, uh, uh, Bible school days. But you know, there's something about people that are our friends. People will fail us, sometimes not deliberately. Sometimes it is deliberately. It was Paul that said, Of Demas, Demas hath forsaken me, loving this present world. David, had a friend called Jonathan, but David also had a Hithithophil in his life, the counselor that betrayed him. People will, will be faithful and people will be unfaithful, but the predictability of God is that he is always faithful. 
Even the faithful wife, the wife that stands by her husband or the husband that stands by his wife, someday because of the Adamic nature, because of age, because of ailments, there will be a failure. There'll be the realization of being left behind. Death takes away faithfulness. Disease takes away faithfulness. Disposition so often affects faithfulness. With all those factors, you don't have to take that into consideration when you're talking about the God, the faithful God. For God does not have an Adamic nature. He is not the one that has to be concerned with age or ailment. The Bible reveals him as the one that is incomparable. O Lord of hosts, who is strong like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee. His faithfulness is not only incomparable, his faithfulness is unmovable. In Psalm 89 verse 2 it says this, For I have said mercy shall be built up forever, thy faithfulness shall be, shall thou established in the very heavens. The truth is the bedrock of our faith rests upon the word of God, the faithfulness that he has promised to keep his word. As we know great structures require great foundations that require deep pilings driven below the earth's surface and rest on solid bedrock that does not move when the quakes of earth are shaking them violently. No matter how deep the foundations of the greatest and strongest buildings, just like the Twin Towers, that structure that was built on such a deep foundation and yet it did not have the capability of standing and withstanding the attack of the enemy. The realization is tonight that we have a, we have a Lord and a God that has faithful, faithfully served and faithfully provided. His faithfulness is unmovable. It's permanent. The Leaning Tower of Pisa is known around the world for its, for its uh, peculiarity of leaning in a certain direction. 191 feet tall, built in 1173, began to lean in 1178. They, have spent, they spent two centuries building this because of the leaning of the tower, the leaning tower of Pisa. The foundation is not proper, the building is properly laid, the, the, the product is properly laid, but the foundation is giving way. It continues to lean, and by gradual degrees, it will eventually fall because it is not founded on a foundation that can hold it erect or hold it above, but not so in our lives that claim to know the Lord as our personal Savior the Bible reveals him as being the one that is faithful and his faithfulness shall be established even in the heavens. His faithfulness is unmovable. Then his faithfulness is unfailing. In Psalms 89 and verse 33, verse 34, it says this, Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Earthly relationships can and will fail, but God's relationship with us is unfailing. Certainly Judah failed to believe in the faithful Lord and the message of, 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 uh, of Jeremiah and refused to listen and refused to respond to the goodness and faithfulness of the Lord to them for so many years. Faithfulness of our God is unfailing. And something else, his, his faithfulness is unending. It's perpetual. Psalm 119, verse 89 and 90 says this, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth and it abideth. Psalm 146, verse 6, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, 
which keepeth truth forever. There has never been a time that God has not been faithful past, nor will there be a time in the present or future. Our eternal future rests on the faithfulness of our God and Redeemer. Matthew Henry said these words, When I cannot feel the faith of assurance, I live by the fact of God's faithfulness. And how true that is, how true that is, that when we cannot feel the faith or feel the assurance of faith, we can lean on the faithfulness of God. And so the Bible reveals not only the declaration of the faithfulness of God, the affirmation of His faithfulness, the Bible reveals the description and the depth of His faithfulness, and that's what we've concerned ourselves with thus far. But the last thing we'll concern ourselves with tonight has to do with a demonstration of God's faithfulness. And that's where it comes to the place in which we can relate to it. Tonight, as you've listened to the words and the message and the scripture that reflect upon and give declaration and affirmation of the faithfulness of God, and listen to the, uh, to the, uh, uh, to the, the dimensions of the word of comparing it with, with uh, the faithfulness of men and the faithfulness of other things, all those things have to do with building in our hearts and minds a, a, a desire to know and desire to understand the faithfulness of God. But it has to come around to this experience, and it comes around to the experience of the demonstration of God's faithfulness. That has to do with God demonstrating His faith not just in a world, and not just the created world as he has, but God demonstrating his faith in your life, in my life. God demonstrating his faithfulness in your marriage, in my marriage. God uh, demonstrating his faithfulness in your family, in my family. God demonstrating his faithfulness in his calling on your life, in the purpose for your life. God wants to demonstrate his faithfulness in our lives. And he has done that. And he does that every day. So often we fail to take into consideration how God demonstrates his faithfulness in our Christian lives. May I share with you some things that are common knowledge, should be in your ears and hearts. But so often we do not take them into consideration. These very things teach us about the faithfulness of God. The demonstration of God's faithfulness David, David learned about the demonstration of God's faithfulness even when he slew Goliath, but all through his life he learned about God's faithfulness through God demonstrating his faithfulness to his life. So how is it that God demonstrates his faithfulness to us in this day and hour? How is it even this week that we will experience the faithfulness of God? Well, first of all, how significant it is for us to understand that his faithfulness is our assurance of our eternal security. That is, the, the faith that we placed in the Lord Jesus Christ and the relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ, that relationship can never be severed. That relationship can never be, uh, can never be taken away. This truth, of God's, uh, this, God, this truth of God's security for our soul for the fact of our forever salvation goes back to this realization of the faithfulness of God for our assurance of eternal security. It was Paul who said to the church at Thessalonica, he said, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom he were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. The fact is tonight, if you're a born-again child of God, if you have repented and turned to Jesus Christ and embraced him as the way, the only way, you've placed your faith in him to be your savior, you've done that, and you know that you've done that biblically, and you know that there was a a day and an hour in your life when you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, is that, that decision, that relationship that began is sealed by the assurance of God's faithfulness. 
how do we experience the, and how do we know, and how is the demonstration of God's faithfulness in our lives today? His faithfulness is, is our assurance of eternal security, our eternal salvation. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But not only is this his, is it demonstrated, his faithfulness demonstrated in his faithfulness in our eternal security. His faithfulness is revealed in our, his faithfulness is our assurance of continual cleansing and forgiveness of sin. How frequently we experience the faithfulness of God almost, if not every day. These words have become familiar to those of us that have known the Lord and have become familiar with dealing with our sins and transgressions and iniquity after the fact of having Christ live in our hearts and the Holy Spirit live in our bodies. These words from John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. These are simple words, but they're profound words because they declare that our sins are forgiven through the, obviously through the shed, our sins are forgiven through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if it were not for the faithfulness of God, we would never be able to be saved. We certainly could not have the confidence that we'll be saved forever. And certainly we could not have the confidence tonight if we have sinned against the Lord even today, that we could be forgiven as David confessed his sin in Psalm 51. That wonderful psalm that reflects upon his regret and his repentance of sinning such a grievous way against his Lord. As he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband Uriah killed, David carried this awful sin in his heart until the day in which he recognized this sin and found in Psalm 51 his confession and his repentance and his restoration and his rejoicing that it is true that God can forgive an individual of the most heinous sin after the fact of, of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. Isn't it good to know that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, can and does and will forever forgive, will cleanse us from our sins? It goes back to the fact of the demonstration of His faithfulness in our lives. His faithfulness is our assurance of continual cleansing and forgiveness. A couple years back when we were in Malta, a young lady came to my wife after the service and asked that, I, uh, that we would talk to her. She was a uh, teacher. She taught G uh, German in the, uh, the University of Malta there. and Just a lovely young lady, never suspecting that she was struggling with something in her life. She asked us to talk to her. She said, you know, there's something in my life that, that, uh, that I've carried for so long. And I've, I've asked the Lord, forgive me, but I don't know. I don't sense the Lord has forgiven me or can forgive me. And we said to her, we, well, we don't need to know what it is, but we need to know, we do, you need to know that the, blood, the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. And if that's true, God can cleanse us. He also can he also can provide that which is necessary, the freedom not only of the punishment or the, or the, or I say the chastisement of our sin, but he has the capability of freeing us from the guilt of sin. And you must come to the place where you believe that he is faithful by his word who said he will forgive you if you call on him and you'll, re, and you'll confess your sin. The Bible says he will cleanse you from all of your unrighteous Yes, I, I think that this young lady was suffering from something that God never intended for her to suffer with. You may be here tonight. You may have something in your life that you have been plagued with. Maybe this, not actively. Maybe it's something you've already confessed to the Lord. But the fact is tonight, the faithfulness of God reveals to us that we can have assurance that our sins are continually, are con are continually cleansed and forgiven. His, his faithfulness is demonstrated through his faithfulness of assuring us of cleansing, of forgiveness of sin. And then his faithfulness is demonstrated in our assurance of overcoming temptation. 
And what Christian does not struggle with? The reality of temptation. Uh, James tells us that all that temptation is common to every man. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust and when lust and, and deceived. And the Bible says when lust, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. This, this common thing that we deal with called temptation is something that's dealt with, and it's dealt with with the realization there's a God in heaven that is faithful and will deliver us from and enable us and be free from the addictions and the draw and the drag and the, the degradation of sin. David certainly learned that he could be forgiven his sin, but David learned some things also about temptation. The word temptation may refer to either the trial from God, who sends to purify and strengthen us, or the solicitation to sin from Satan who seeks to destroy us. In either case, God promises to protect us from more than we can bear and provide with every temptation and testing a way to escape. Because you see, He is faithful to do so. The term, the way to escape, was used of a narrow mountain pass through which trapped army might escape an impossible situation. God always has an escape available when temptation strikes. When we yield to temptation, it is because we have ignored the, His provision and refused to take the way out. David failed to escape the temptation to sin in the matter with Bathsheba. He sent for her. On the other hand, Joseph, who escaped the temptation of Potiphar's wife, fled from her. He escaped the temptation. And Joseph forever can give, te give testimony the faithfulness of God that made a way of escape that did not cause him to do that which was a disgrace to his Lord. Then something else. His faithfulness is an assurance that we will that he will sustain us and comfort us in time of suffering. Psalm 119 verse 75 says this, I know, Lord, that thy judgments are right and, and that thou in thy faithfulness has afflicted me. Spurgeon said these words. He said these words concerning the struggle of of suffering, the struggle of the inner man, the struggle of weakness. Throw yourself on God's faithfulness as you would upon the bed, bringing all your weariness to His dear rest. The saints through the ages have found that God is faithful in this matter of sustaining us and comforting us in the time of suffering, in the time of battle. It is during times of suffering that we are most tempted to doubt God's faithfulness, we have a tendency to evaluate and say why. Why things are happening in our lives that do not make sense. It is then that we may begin to think that God has forgotten us and that He is unconcerned about us. Who cannot relate to some measure of adversity or difficulty or even suffering that is in this room tonight. There are those at this moment are suffering with a mate that is struggling maybe with dementia or a mate that's struggling with cancer or some other ailment. And it's only the faithfulness of God that enables us to carry on in spite of those things that we struggle with. The faithfulness of God is seen, is seen throughout scriptures. But tonight as we think about how it reflects upon, how, it re, how it's relevant to your life and mine. Jeremiah said these words, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. There's one other thing that in this text that I want to draw your attention to because it's helped me as I thought about this subject of 
of reflecting upon and the encouragement of God's faithfulness. He says this about the mercies of God. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. Jeremiah uses these words. He said, the Lord is my portion. Somehow, Jeremiah, I believe, could bring, he said, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. I wonder if you can recall to your mind times and experiences, maybe way back when the Lord revealed something to you, a truth to you, and revealed his faithfulness to you, or his promise of his faithfulness to you, that helped you in those early, maybe those early days of your Christian life, and has helped you ever since. It will be nearly 50 years ago. I was 27 years old. And uh, in my uh, responsibility of being a breadwinner, I worked as in the automobile industry, not knowing where that would uh, lead in the, in, the, uh, in the future is what I, what we, what I would do in, as my job. And uh, did not know that the Lord was going to intercept and God was going to do something in my heart and life that was unexpected. And uh, it was through a, a, a series of events that, that, that I surrendered my life to the Lord. And uh, early on, I, I believe the Lord began to reveal to me the necessity of me knowing and understand something about this, this, this truth of the faithfulness of God, that, that the faithfulness of God was sufficient for all the things that I would face in my life. Did not know that I would be a preacher did not know that I would go to Bible school, did not know that we would leave, uh, leave uh, Michigan and go to, uh, go to Rhode Island and plant a church. None of that could be seen. But I have to say that I look back, this I recall to my mind. You know, it's good for us to be able to recall some things that not only what God has done recently, but what God has done in the past. And I hope tonight that you can reach back in your life and think about what God may have given to you or helped you and reflected upon this wonderful truth of his faithfulness. When I was in Bible school, early on in Bible school, I started thinking about the, the, the enormous responsibility that I was surrendering to. And uh, I started thinking about this matter of being in ministry, did not know what all of that entails certainly did not even consider that I would be a pastor. I thought maybe I would do something in full-time Christian service, but I did not know that I would be a pastor. And in the 11th, in, in the, my uh, junior year, it was the first time that I admitted or gave testimony that the Lord uh, had uh, impressed upon my heart that it was more than going and being a staff someplace, but the Lord was calling me to be a pastor and to be a preacher and then, even then, God began to work on being uh, to uh, work on my heart to be a church planter and go from our place in Michigan to another place, a strange place, and uh, where foreigners were. And certainly, it was a strange place. It was all Italians. We went to begin to minister to. It was a totally different, um, a totally different world that we moved to. But I want to just share this with you, as I call this. I recall to my mind. I prayed to the Lord as I was overwhelmed with the, uh, the thought of what was ahead. And I, th I said, Lord, this is, this is far too much. I cannot contemplate that I would uh, have this responsibility. I, do not, I cannot contemplate that I would have the responsibility to stand behind a pulpit or lead people spiritually in the direction that you'd have them go. I cannot, I cannot, uh, I cannot, uh, put my, uh, I cannot put my mind around that, and it's far beyond my comprehension. And I said, Lord, I've heard others, uh, I've heard others call out to you for, uh, for uh, that which they would uh, have confidence that uh, you are doing something or going to do something in their lives. And said, Lord, I don't know what you'd give me, but I'm asking you to give me something that would be uh, 
that would give me assurance and confidence that I have not made a decision that is not in keeping with what your will is uh, for my life, for my family. And so I, I opened up my Bible, and it fell, uh, it fell in Psalm 73. And I began to read these words. And I, I believe the Lord gave me these words because they were certainly words that I needed to hear. He said this in Psalm 73 and verse 25, Who have I in heaven but thee? And there is none, that, there is none upon earth that, that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For this, uh, for my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring after thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God, for I have put my trust in, in the Lord God, that I may declare thy works. My attention fell on verse 26. My flesh and my heart fail, and faileth, but the strength of my heart in my portion. But God is the strength of my heart in my portion forever. When I was reading these verses of Scripture, just as I was thinking about this message, I saw that Jeremiah brought this to his attention. He said, the Lord is my portion. Uh, if it, nearly 50 years of the Lord, the Lord gave me these words, the Lord, is, the Lord is my portion. And I wondered what that means. What does it mean that the Lord is my portion? What does... What did uh, uh, Jeremiah mean by the Lord is a portion? Well, I think it goes back. It can be one of two interpretations, but one I, in which I believe is one in which I have held to, and it goes back to the fact that God told the Levites that they were not to have an inheritance with, uh, with the children of Israel. They are not to inherit land, but they were to, that the Lord would be uh, their inheritance. And uh, so it was, the Lord became the inheritance of the Levites. And uh, the Lord revealed something to Levites, that he was that which would be sufficient, and that he would be the one that would sustain them, and he would be the one that would provide the sustenance for them. What he was saying to them, that I will be all that you need, he was reminding the Levites that they were to be totally and, and fully directed and given their hearts to him, but that God was going to be all that they would need and that he would be their portion. I want to say tonight, tonight that there are people in this room possibly that are frightened about what God might call you to do or where he may call you to serve or what he might call you away from. I would remind you tonight there is a God in heaven that is faithful. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. The Lord reminded me often as I went through all the stages of being, uh, being conditioned and, and, uh, and, and trained by the Lord to be a pastor, I often would go to the pulpit and remind the Lord, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's always enough. It's always enough. And I want to remind you tonight, those of you that or maybe struggling or going through some heartache in your life, I would remind you that, that it would be good for you and healthy for you. As did Jeremiah state, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion uh, saith my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Tonight we give testimony, and the reality is great is his faithfulness. Our Father in heaven, We know that you are declared to be faithful. Moses declared you to be the God, the faithful God. We know, Lord, that the people of God experienced your faithfulness by your provision, by your presence, by your promises. And Lord, we're reminded tonight of the necessity for us 
to understand that we experience the faithfulness of God every day when you forgive our sins. That you are faithful and just to forgive us from all of our transgressions. And you are able to restore us to practical righteousness. Thank you, Lord, that your faithfulness is revealed in the sufferings and adversities of life. Thank you that your faithfulness is revealed in our place of service, wherever that might be, no matter how difficult it might be. Thank you, Lord, that you reveal your faithfulness. Thank you that it's declared. Thank you that it's, that it's revealed by dimension. But more than anything, thank you that you demonstrate your faithfulness in our lives. Many in this church, including this dear pastor, can give testimony of your faithfulness through the years. We acknowledge it tonight. We thank you for it. Dear Lord, now as we close this service, may we reflect upon, may this be what we leave with. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Great is thy faithfulness. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.